0: Canada can produce amazing agricultural commodities. What we've always been a little less good at is to add value to those products and create made-in-Canada processed products. Jason Purcell is an exception to that rule. He has a farm-based, cold-pressed vegetable oil plant right on his farm and has uh, achieved amazing success. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. I talked to Jason about how he got started, what some of the challenges were, where he sees his business going in the future, and and how he really feels it's critical for us to add value to Canadian products and how it's allowed him to increase his return per acre in a, in the, in a time when land costs are going up and up and up and, and expansion becomes difficult. I think it's an amazing story and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. Jason, uh, I appreciate you taking
1: the time today. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for having me.
0: I'm always intrigued by uh, farm-based businesses. Tell us a little bit about yours.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, we are a fourth-generation family farm in Norfolk County, uh, Ontario, and we uh, uh, primarily in the past have always done uh, grains and oil seeds, uh, your basic corn, soybeans, and wheat. Back about 15 or so years ago, I got a little bit of intrigued intrigue by doing something value-added with the farm. And I was uh, around 30 years old, I guess, back in those days. So summers around there, my early 30s. And we were at a kind of a pivotal point in the farm where we needed to grow the operation to have long-term sustainability, I guess, and, and economic sustainability within the, uh, the farm and, and continue to make it viable. I sit in a county, um, albeit a little bit uh, northeast of the primary big farmland of fresh market gardening and, and jensen ground and tobacco, former tobacco ground. But I competed a lot against high valued ground in terms of purchasing it or renting it, uh, whatever that would be. And so I I got thinking, you know, oh, I wanted to be a little bit more strategic about it. And how can we come to a place in our business where we could obviously turn more profitability per acre out of our farm operation? And so I wanted to look at value add and see how we can, instead of growing our business uh, um, horizontally I'd look at how can we grow it vertically and and create uh, more profitably per acre. So... That's where we, uh, we started out. That was the, the premise and the, um, I guess, the, the early days purpose uh, that our business purpose, obviously, and st- strategy today is a lot different than what it started out at. But that's, that was the premise of who we are and why we started what we do. And, um, yeah, we just kind of, uh, morphed into what it is today, but, uh, that was my early day and, and the reason for getting started.
0: So tell me a little bit about what it is you do. So what do you produce in your, in your, from your crops?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in the early days, so I'll start there because it's a little different now than it was when we started, but, uh, we started working with a very small scale, uh, oil press, um, expeller press. Uh, system here in the in our mill. and when I say small it, it was very small, very humble beginning because we really had no idea what we were doing and where we were even heading with this. We knew we wanted to go into the food market, but we didn't know what and how and 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 at what capacity would we be doing this. Um, so we started pressing everything we thought we could get oil out of. so we were doing oil um, sorry our soybeans, uh, an IP. Uh, soybean. Uh, we started pressing um, canola. And those were the two things that we kind of started out with. And we started marketing that. And um, um, the the markets, uh, to make a long story short, kind of directed us towards sunflower oil. And that kind of came from a, um, more of a customer. And I don't mean direct consumer guidance on that. It was more of our chef customers that we were We were integrating that market pretty heavily in the food service market. And some chefs were, you know, inquiring about if we could possibly do sunflower oil. And we thought, well, why not? And we started growing a bit of few acres of sunflowers and pressed the oil out of that and got rave reviews with that. And so we said, you know, maybe that's something we need to continue on with. And so we, at, at the beginning, we did all three oils and uh, we offered that in the food service market. And it was uh, kind of unique in a way that there's no other mill in Canada that kind of boasted that they do all three oils in the same mill. You either do one or the other or something, right? You dedicate it to one or the other. Um, and that was kind of what gave us uh, options for our chefs. And they, they started it to really... Love the fact that they could reach in and grab one of our oils, whether it's canola, soy, or sunflower. And each one of them had a different flavor profile, different color, different aromatic, just different, different purposes and, and applications in the kitchen. And when COVID hit, um, and even before then, we had already started to see a little bit of a shift in in our in our business, where we're starting to see more sunflower than anything else. And then when COVID hit, obviously it changed our business uh overnight and we already were starting to work with food manufacturing in those days and with uh bulk oil and that was mainly sunflower oil that they were purchasing from us in the in those days and then uh, when COVID hit it just really pivoted the whole business went to sunflower to go into food manufacturing my team basically uh really pushed hard uh, as sales into food manufacturing Uh, we had to do something because we had lost all our uh restaurant business and, uh, um, we just haven't looked back. So the last, I say four years pre COVID and during COVID we just pivoted everything to sunflower oil. And now we, uh, that's pretty much as primarily all we were pressing right now in the, in the mill for the last three years and, uh, have had struggles to keep up <laughs> to, to demand. So it's all a good thing uh um but that's primary so we we had a shift to kind of go back on your question is uh you know what do we produce and and process and so we had a shift in our business where we never used to grow sunflowers but this business directed us to that crop and immediately started creating value out of it so it's a unique crop for us it's a great uh, crop that we grow in our farm and other growers are finding that as well it's a great rotational crop it uh uh, has a different root system It, it digs a deeper root. It, we find that uh, it draws a lot of nutrients deep in the system up to that um, six, eight inches of, of topsoil uh, a growing area for your next crops. And we find it uh, is a great crop to have in our rotation. And um, um, we've really enjoyed growing it. And, and it's quite aesthetic during a few weeks of every summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Jason, I grew, I grew up in Eastern Manitoba, yeah, so which, well is, yeah. which is sunflower country. And and uh, I'm intrigued because I haven't seen big fields of sunflower in Ontario really. And to me that, like you said, you were looking for ways to add value to your crops. Uh, you found ways to do it, but you also diversified the farm to new crops because because you created that value. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, I think I've seen you calling on Twitter for people to contract sunflowers for you. So this is the business has gotten bigger than just crushing your own uh, or pressing your own sunflowers and canola and stuff. You are now looking for producers because the business has taken off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the past few years, we've always needed more sunflower than what we could produce on our farm. And we drew a lot of sunflower seed out of Manitoba. That's uh, over the last three to four years, we, it's just grown to the point where um, it was getting a little bit lopsided and nothing against Manitoba. I mean, uh, my broker out there uh, does a fantastic job of uh, contracting growers in Manitoba to pro- pro- provide seed for us. And But we were getting a little bit lopsided, meaning that we were seeing 75% of our, our seed volume coming from Manitoba. And I get a little bit concerned with that, just with with the, the aspects of weather and uh, the risk management. So my team, we, we had to strategize a little bit differently on how we are going to mitigate some of our risk management. And so we said, we need to push harder in Ontario to find more growers, uh, just to kind of even it up where we're more of a 50, 50 in terms of that and as well. We wanted to be conscious of our environmental footprint as well, because our customer base manufacturing are constantly pushing us as to what we are doing to improve that and which I mean, I'm sliding into a, uh, another topic here, but as part of our strategy, still the same is that uh, we really know that we have a leg up on competition when it comes to providing a very ultra low carbon footprint in a tighter circular farming model than any other uh, processor out there, because we see not only the seed right from our own farm, but uh, from local farms. And it takes a very, short distance travel and doesn't go through a bunch of different other systems to get to, to us and then back out to a customer. So we kind of do everything from right from, right from start to finish. And that has always been kind of our, our shtick if you will, is that we're mm-hmm. a, a true, um, field to fork business with our business in, in terms of, uh, how we reach and and service our customers, uh, with that in mind of keeping a very low carbon footprint and in um, improving our traceability and our sustainability all at the same time.
0: So are Ontario, are, are some of your neighbours and, and farmers across Ontario open to, to producing sunflower? Have you been Have you been successful in growing that or does it continue to be a challenge because it's something a little bit different for these guys?
1: I would say yes and no. I mean, this year we had close to a thousand acres, uh, right around a thousand acres altogether in Ontario production um, ranging from Niagara already all the way up to Grey Bruce. And that was a good start. I I didn't want to kind of overdo it uh, last year because it's the first time that we really started contracting. We always had a few growers in Ontario growing for us, but we're going to, you know, in other areas where I'm not familiar with some of those growers. And we are very conscious on the integrity of our seed and the integrity of quality. Um, so we have to, we wanted to make sure that we didn't uh, kind of lose step with uh, with that as we grow and, and compromise our quality on our end going to our customers. So not saying that farmers can't produce good quality of seed. I know they can. It's just that we want to make sure that we uh, stay on top of how we're going to, to set up the systems, to be able to manage that properly and and receive it. So this year it looks like so far, um, I've kind of closed off of any more contracts that we're going to, uh, to, to put in our, our, uh, and our growing for 23. Um, but we're looking at probably close to, uh, 12 to 1300 acres now. And that's a, I think that's a pretty good, uh, start for us in 23. Um, we really wanted to see kind of where the economy as well goes in uh, 23. Yeah. We we have some major expansion efforts that we want to endeavor on, and uh, we've kind of tabled it for for six months just to kind of wait and see, just kind of where things go in in, the, in terms of the economy. So,
0: yeah, that, no, that makes sense. I think lots of businesses are t- are sort of taking a breath right right now. Now, you, you say you've you've transitioned as restaurants closed during COVID to to food manufacturing as a bulk ingredient.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but early in your business, chefs were a bigger part of your business or food service was a bigger part of your business than than direct consumer was. Was that just a natural evolution in the way it turned out, or was that a strategic thing on your behalf?
1: Um, we kind of tripped into it to be honest with you we started the business uh, thinking that we were going to take the the uh, retail shells by storm uh, with uh, virgin cold pressed uh, oils and we uh, got a real awakening kick in the seat of the pants when it came to you have no idea what it's like to <laughs> introduce a cpg into retail especially in a category that's an inundated with yeah like a plethora of brands of oils right so it was just yeah it was it was actually um my wife and i said to ourselves around the kitchen table well what do we do you know like do we mm-hmm. just say forget it that was well, at least we tried something we nobody can discourage yeah. you from that right but uh, we ended up going to a conference a culinary conference and i can't even be honest with you the year that would have been but uh um, I'm going to say around 2008 summers around there, maybe 2010. And we got introduced to a few chefs in Ontario that are really—they were kind of in the beginning and the um, oh, the word I'm looking for—they really were the kind of the the first to the gate when it came to using local foods and. Mm-hmm. Mike Olson was one of them, and he's a a, a teacher at Niagara College and a great guy, still good friends with him. Um, He just kind of gave me his Rolodex and said, here's a bunch of chef names, Uh, call them up, take them oil, give them samples. So that's what I did. I loaded up my uh, my pickup truck with samples, and I headed off to Toronto and Niagara and you name it, all kinds of restaurants and walked in the back door of these. I've never done this in my life it was uh, scary for me because i'm not that type of guy to just walk into a place and and i'm not a salesperson at all but i think the chefs it was like a they were intrigued with that first of all that i was a farmer it took time out of my day to just come in and see them and 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 introduce something that they've never seen before but it started that uh interesting they were just like wow i've never tasted such flavor in an in an oil like that i didn't know canola oil could taste like that and they just had never tasted extra virgin canola oil before and it's a has a very robust flavor to it like as different as a as a light olive oil is to an extra virgin olive oil that's how different canola oil is when it goes from a refined canola oil to an extra virgin it's got a very strong flavor to it so they immediately just you know, opens up a door of, of intriguing innovation of plates and dishes and whatever that they could use. And that's what got us started. And, and we kind of just, uh, the ball just kind of got rolling from there. And we met a lot of chefs and I'll be honest with you, if I owe any success to our business, it has been through our network with chefs that have, uh, quite often have gone on. Chefs uh, don't stay in one spot for very long and they move on and they take a, they would take us into some pretty big operations and some multi-units and chefs that would move on into distribution networks. And yep, it just was an amazing, amazing uh, uh, trip for us to go into that market to really Garner those relationships with chefs, and and see how they can <laughs> they promoted our product better than we did ourselves. So honestly, um, well, we still came across people like down in the U.S. chefs down the U.S. Uh, chefs on the West Coast, and uh, just uh, I couldn't believe it's a very small world, and they they do a lot of cooking together, and they do a lot of uh, beer drinking and cigar smoking. So they all talk, and that's the good thing. If you can come up in conversation with them, you're you're uh, you're doing really good. So I have a, I owe a lot to them and, and our, our network through that. So it just highlights
0: how important relationships are, right? It, yeah. it just that's fundamentally where business starts. Is, I tell, is with honest,
1: Honestly, tell you, Mikey, you hit the nail in the head. I I tell every budding entrepreneur or anybody starting any kind of business. I don't care if you're in agri-food or you're in tech. Your biggest asset to driving your business forward is nothing to do with anything but your network. Your network will bring dividends, like multiple dividends to you. I, I see it every day with our with our business. Uh, connections that I made 12, 13 years ago that I had no idea. And all of a sudden it turned around to be a huge deal at the end. You know, um, we're still working through stuff like that. I still have uh, uh, connections that come out of the network. Hey, Jason, would you mind looking at this opportunity? You know, I know you can do this and whatever. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It It's truly an important piece that you should always concentrate on as an entrepreneur and starting out is just how can you do the best job of building your network and get out to as many trade shows and organizations and meet the people and and don't be afraid to ask, hey, do you mind introducing me to so-and-so? I'd love to meet them, you know, and, and whatever. So, yep, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So uh, you talked about
0: the fact that you expanded into sunflower oil was based on direct feedback from customers saying, well, we love these other things, but what we really like is some sunflower oil. Can you do that for us? Mm-hmm. Are there other things that sort of being... That your interaction with those customers has has influenced the way you think about both processing, but also farming. Does that vertical integration sort of have some merit in terms of what you know and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, a lot of times it's come back to kind of heighten to us why the connection to a farm matters and why it matters to them and. If they understand kind of what you're, we have an open doors policy, first of all, to all our customers and manufacturing and and quite often um, they'll come out and bring their team and tour through our facility, especially in the summertime, if we got crops around in the mill that the outside the mill that they can they can take a look at as well. But it gives them a real sense of uh, taste of place. It also understands that, you know, Jason's the real deal that, uh, you know, we are this is a true uh, field to fork experience. Uh, Jason operates a, a business that grows the seed that he sees it right from start to finish. And and that's an, kind of just an, intri- uh, an int- interesting way to be able to market your product. And we started seeing that kind of that strategy a couple of years ago. And, and then uh, just recently in the last 14 months have developed a rural Um, uh, 2023 strategy of our integrated circular model and how we are going to tighten that up even more so where we're going to, you know, we're aiming to be uh, net zero um, in the next year in terms of all the all of our byproducts and how we can find end uses for them, whether they are revenue streaming or not, they're going to have a, an end use. They're not going to go to waste. And so it, it's kind of opened up the door for us. It has kind of lightened, uh, where, where's our, our value proposition and where do we step above our competition? And, and I think I've just kind of circled around that's exactly what we're, we're focusing on here and uh, there there needs to be more of it i'll be honest with you uh canada just lacks in the world in terms of you know developing uh, further gdp in this country uh we just uh, sorry for the slang but we just suck at developing raw material you know and it's it's a shame and my broker gets so frustrated with it out in manitoba and i hear what he's saying and in I'm doing my best, but like he just said, he goes, Jason, he goes, we grow so many sunflowers out of Manitoba and all the, everything that goes for crush goes to Dakota. There's nothing in Canada. And I know this is a weird saying, and I am certainly a micro in a, uh, in a macro world of oil processors, but we're the only, we're the only expeller press sunflower oil in Canada. the only one doing it. And that just kind of, sends you a message of that's how behind we are when it comes to these things, right? And all our sunflowers in Manitoba, they all stream to ADM and, and Fargo. And I mean, it's relatively close to them. That's why they, they draw it there. But uh, all the same, they, when we, somebody of a manufacturer wants to buy sunflower oil, refined sunflower oil from ADM, it comes back to Canada. And that this kind of Speaks true to everything that we do in this country on a, on a large scale, right? so I think we need to I think I think there's a
0: real opportunity for us to 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 do a better job of processing the agricultural products that we I mean you could talk about raw r- natural resources as well but but I think particularly in in egg and food, doing yep. a better job of processing those things, not growing them, sending them somewhere else for processing and and bringing them back. I was talking to a reporter the other day. And uh, we were talking about the cost of pasta and how wheat prices have gone through the roof. And uh, we're growing all this great Durham wheat in Western Canada. And I looked in my pantry here and the pasta was made in, in Italy. <laughs> it, you know, and, and, and there's
1: just no reason at all that
0: we no. shouldn't be able to do that here.
1: No, no, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, I, I've got so many examples of that. You know, like, you, you look at uh, 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 mustards. Yeah, I mean, GS Dunn, I, I don't know what the, the company's called in the Hamilton anymore, but uh, I mean, there's another manufacturer. They send uh, mustard seed and mustard to France to be turned into Dijon. We buy it back at a premium. Like, yeah. it just seems bizarre. And I, I was at a conference this fall and and this is another area that we, we work with with our sunflower. So it's not just the oil, but we also develop a lot in the protein sector world with our byproducts. Soon to be more of a co-product than byproduct, but there's a lot of protein byproduct that comes from Asia, and mm-hmm. there's no reason for it. Like it's, we have it here, we ship it there, and it comes back to us. You know, just, it baffles yeah. my mind. But here we are. Good. So you talked a little
0: bit about you know expansion plans in the future and sort of taking a breath right now, waiting for six months to see what happens with the economy. Yeah. What do you see? What do you see coming down the pike for 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 your business?
1: Yeah. So I think it's just more of the same in terms of just further reach, and we know that the demand um, under normal circumstances is there and. We've seen how quickly things can go upside down when the supply chain uh, comes to a halt, either through war or a freight ship sideways in the Suez Canal. Um, yeah. it, it turns things upside down really quick. And all of a sudden, you have a bunch of customers phoning you, going, um, is there any chance we can get you know 5,000 liters this week of oil? And you're like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Like it just, and so we had these conversations with the customer and I think slowly we're starting to see that change in the, the, the uh, landscape of their buying, moving from a global perspective to a local perspective. And then when I say local, I don't mean like local as in 50 miles of uh, the operation. I mean local as in North America. Yeah. They're looking at... Can I find a supplier that's on this continent and I can mitigate supply chain issues through from logistic holdups? It's becoming a problem. It has been a problem. And and more and more and more, I have these conversations with uh, potential customers looking to, mitigate that risk. And so they're looking, you know, uh, we need to, so we see that coming down the pipe and we need to look at how are we going to address that in the future? We're kind of just holding tight right now with the, with our operations and our capacities at the moment and kind of just want to make sure that we understand the, uh, the landscape of the economy going forward plus interest rates too. Like, I mean, we, it's a fairly substantial investment we need to make and, we want to make sure that we're uh, going to be able to pay for it uh, not be seeing double digit uh, interest rates or some crazy thing so um i think it's just prudent of us to, to be a little bit cautious at this time and, you know through my consultation with my uh, accountant and lawyer and my uh, my peer group that i meet with uh, every month uh, everybody says the same thing so um I think that there's uh, uh, an upside to everything um, once we get through this uh, recessionary time and and it will come back it always does and so we just want to yep. be best prepared for when it does come back or exactly what our plan is going to be moving forward so yep. with us it's a uh, it's a little bit more complicated not to bore you to death but when it comes to oil production I think I alluded to it a little bit we also have a, a byproduct protein so we need to have a we need to have a, mar- uh, a market for that as well, and we need to make sure that we understand it's either, either going into the feed trade as a livestock feed or can we develop it further into the food mar- uh, market, which ideally is where we would like to see it go um, for profitability reasons. So that gives us a little bit extra time to uh, over these six months to Kind of work on some of the projects we're working on with some other partners in the, in the industry to uh, see if we can further develop that. And that'll be a, a big major piece to our expansion when we, we do move forward.
0: Oh, that's that's cool. So my last question, and I've kept you longer than I promised, but my last question relates to logistics. And, and my guess is that selling bulk product to food manufacturers has some benefits because you don't have your freight becomes easier. You're selling large volumes. Now that has new risks. If you lose a customer, it's a bigger deal, yep. but clearly COVID and the shutdown of restaurants was a reason you got into that business. Are you going to stay in the, in the food service business as well? And, and how do you distribute to those customers?
1: Yeah. So we kind of do two things um, when it comes to bulk, uh, oil we we to manufacturing we look after the distribution we have a truck on the road every week uh, looks after that um, part of our service uh, um, uh, value to our customers is that we operate a two way system of totes so our totes our abc totes go to a customer they remain our property we retrieve the empty ones and we just we keep them designated for the customers all the time they don't have to worry about stockpiling totes they don't have to worry about taking in a full container load of inventory we can control their inventory for them and look after the retrieval of empty totes and, and keep it to uh, really seamless for them. So we you need your own truck to be able to do that. So we look yeah. after that. When it comes to food service and restaurant, we work with our, our with our partners uh, like Gordon Food Service and some okay. other smaller distribution partners in the in that space. Um, and we're seeing that coming back slowly. It's not bouncing back like we had hoped. Certainly, I think food service market in the U.S. has bounced back a lot better than it has in Canada. But Um, It is coming back in Canada. Um, I don't know if you eat out very often, but you see, you know, it is looking like restaurants and some restaurants are filling up rather quickly on weekends and harder to find reservations and whatnot. So that's a good sign. And we see that uh, happening, but it takes time. And we know that it's going to take a few years, I think, to bounce back to pre-COVID times in terms of volume going into food service. We lost a lot of restaurants like just closing up. Right. So, yeah, and
0: I think the the other challenge we have is that with this significant food price pressure right now yeah. that lots of restaurants are changing the ingredients they use in an effort to yeah. keep price increases lower, to keep people coming in the door. Because one of the first things that people give up as food prices go up is eating out. And so, you know, I talk to the restaurant industry, they say, well, we have fewer bums in seats right now, but the average check is a little higher because people are coming out as a special occasion, but right. we're also still very sensitive to price. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, yeah, we're seeing the same thing. We, we've lost a few larger multi-unit customers that were big volumes for us. Will we get those back in time? I don't really know. I, I hope so. Um, uh, I haven't really pushed too hard on them. I, I hate pushing hard on, I know they got enough on their plate right now anyways, but we just seen that we, I know the chefs went back to their, went back to their menus and really just consolidated a lot of things, um, moved a lot, simplified their menu offering. You see, you know, two page menus going to a one page menu type of thing and, and makes complete sense, you know, like they're just, you know, they got to cut down their, their their amount of ingredients in the kitchen and in control their spending a little bit on that so well and having trouble getting people to cook so they have to have fewer options on
0: the menu absolutely. just so that they can get stuff out yep absolutely 100 percent. so jason before we wrap up i know your focus is on food manufacturing and restaurants but people can get it from you direct uh, yeah. at your website and some specialty stores why don't you tell people where they can find you
1: yeah, sure. You can uh, go on our website at pristinegourmet.com, link into the uh, the store there. And uh, yeah, we've got some other gourmet products as well and uh, some things that we, we sold through COVID and uh, some of our partners and friends. Some of our, uh, we have a great company we, uh, we supply oil to called Scout Canning and they are a, a fish cannery. Uh, out of, so part of it out on the East Coast and some on the West Coast. And, um, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic fish. And it's got obviously some premium sunflower oil in there. So yeah, you can check it out and buy some of our sunflower oil, some of our pure sunflower honey as well. That's, uh, comes right from our field, uh, with our hives that we have on the sunflower that do the pollinating. So it's, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to, to kind of tour through our, uh, our store. Well,
0: I'll look forward to coming down to visit someday, Jason. Thank you for taking the time.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Mike. And appreciate it. Good chatting with you.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Food Focus podcast. We strive to find topics of interest and relevance to people passionate about agriculture and food. If you have any suggestions, please visit us at foodfocusguelph.ca and leave a suggestion. We also have regular blog posts on the website you will find interesting. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you get your episodes, the website, Apple, Spotify, or many other platforms. We appreciate your reviews and it helps others find us. Stay tuned for more episodes.